Walt Whitman once wrote, Mark the spirit of invention everywhere, thy rapid patents, thy continual workshops, foundries, risen or rising. See from their chimneys how the tall flame fires stream. Well, keeping that in mind, the chimney of my guest today may very well have the tallest flames around. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. so magical i almost played the whole song uh that is the music of my guest today on the program khaki king let me tell you a little bit about khaki king over the course of her remarkable career the georgia-born nyu educated khaki king has put out nine spellbinding albums including her 2003 debut everybody loves you the staggering 2006 effort until we felt red and her brand new one modern yesterdays. Before I try to explain what really can't be explained, and that's the sound of her music and the sheer virtuosity of her playing, let me give you a few career highlights. Now, this is a partial list because her achievements are many. Khaki King has collaborated with everyone from Eddie Vedder to Timbaland to the Foo Fighters to Tortoise's John McIntyre. She's done tours with the Foo Fighters as well as the Mountain Goats, She's scored films like How I Got Lost and August Rush, and don't forget, she also did the Twilight movies. She's headlined the Roxy, played the O2 Arena in London, she was on Conan and Fallon, and she was nominated for a Golden Globe. And the list? Well, the list just goes on and on. Khaki King is a force, but she's the kind of force that you can't really define. She plays guitar like nobody else. And whether she's incorporating jazz or flamenco or post-rock or shoegaze, whatever she does sounds like something nobody's ever done. Look, I'm no guitar player, so her percussive style and her fret tappings and her open tunings, they're beyond me to explain in a technical sense. So let me just say this. Khaki King plays the guitar with an otherworldly flair. But even that falls short. So let me try it again. Khaki King is... A Jedi. And what I mean by that is that what she does is so special, so rare, and so staggering. When you listen to her play, you can feel the force at work. And you can't put words to it. You only know that what she's doing is one of the great mysteries of the universe. And though that mystery is mysterious to us civilians, Khaki is in complete control of her gift. And she's fluid, she's powerful, and she's got the kind of percussive finesse that's about as mystical as it gets. If you know her music, you know what I'm talking about. And if you know her music, you also know there's no way to talk about it. So what's the best thing for us to do here? Well, 
the best thing is for me to stop trying to talk about it and talk to the musician herself. So let's do that. Here's me and Khaki King having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. How, uh, how have things been going? How are you doing with the, uh, with the sheltering in place and the quarantining? How's that all going? Great. <laughs> two, two young kids. Nowhere to go. It's awesome. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I have, uh, I don't have a lot to complain about. I have a lot to be grateful for, and I'm just going to stick with that. You know what I mean? I do. I, I, yes, I do. Did it, did it sort of tamper with your creative process or did it, did it aid the process? Well, for me, I had, uh, I had spent the early part of this year building a new show. So I, I, I made a show that I kind of completed, um, late last year, worked on a new show that I debuted um, in February, late February. And then from early March into really into lockdown, I finished an album. So gratefully, I felt like for myself, <clears throat> I felt really satisfied creatively. Like, okay, I've, I've got, I've had a lot of output. I, you know, I'm okay. And then, you know, it, it sort of went straight into how do I, how do I take care of my kids? How do I educate them, protect them, make sure that, you know, we're abiding by the rules and, um, but also, you know, like be all of it, you know, being their friend and entertainer and educator and parent and disciplinarian, like it's really not natural for all of that. Um, it's not something that one human is supposed to do um, at all times. So recent it's only been recently that I'm like "Mm, yeah I'd like to you know I've gotten back into playing and um talking about creating new things so but here's the thing I'm not I've been doing this for so long that a two-month pause for me doesn't feel like some sort of you know squeeze it feels like it feels like a two-month pause right (laughs) right (laughs) Right. Like, it's not like my momentum is going to just disappear. Was there pressure that you were putting on yourself of like, no. okay, that I didn't put, I mean, I, I heard a lot of people feel that way. Like I've, I've got to make use of this time, but you know, everyone had to remember that it's not, you know, it's not like I'm going to voluntarily isolate myself to, to create something where I have all of the usual uh, tools and resources and um, you know, friendships and um uh sort of escape routes none none of that was there so psychologically it's completely different um it's it so i think that anyone that did i mean kudos to the people who really have made a lot of you know out of their time yeah and for people who are already like to sort of socially distant this has been you know this has been really helpful because the pressure has been off right um but no, I'm, I think as a, as someone that's been playing guitar since, you know, for over 35 years, it's just simply like, it, it was not as nearly as, I wasn't thinking of myself. I was thinking of my family, my friends, people who are vulnerable and, um, which is not to say I'm a saint. I'm just a person, <laughs> but right. that's just my, that's my situation right now. It's interesting because with children, they have a lot of questions and- yep. 
this is one of those situations where we don't really have the answers. So as a parent, um, because there's so much, like it's new for it's new for us too. We don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Um, did, was it hard for you to explain um, what you don't really know or what how much you did know? Was it hard to communicate that to them? Yes, I mean, l- luckily my my son is is he's two, he's almost three, but he's not he's that you know none of that is going to make any sense. Right. Um, and he's very happy. He's like. I get you all the time. Great. My daughter is very, very aware. She's very, um, she's, she's like a, a hyper extrovert. This has been extremely hard on her. Um, and, but she also as a sort of, as an extroverted child and as someone that is very used to navigating a lot of different types of friendships, and personalities like that she's just interested in that she's interested in people and interested in in history and why people are the way they are and you know there's sort of been this new chapter of this quarantine and 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 in our lives that's been opened up recently with the death of george floyd and um and the protests and there's you know it's a lot of it's a lot for a little kid to handle but she is present for it um i also had coronavirus um Wow. Yeah, I, I did have COVID. I did, I did um, the people I was around tested positive. Um, I recently tested positive for antibodies. Um, so, but I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it when it began because it began early. It was, it was in late March when I had it and the symptoms were still fever, cough, chest pain. I had fatigue, like unbelievable fatigue and muscle ache. And it wasn't until day four or five that I lost my sense of taste and smell that I knew what was happening. And then, you know, so that, so I've kind of had to explain to her, like, I have most likely had coronavirus. Um, and, but, you know, like, people are really putting together resources for children. Um, There's this really helpful little cartoon with a guy and a robot that talked about coronavirus. And it was very, like, you know, this is something to be concerned about. It's luckily most of the time not going to hurt your family. So you actually had it, but nobody in your family got it. We don't really understand why. <laughs> we have, like, like everyone, no one understands a lot about this, this disease. So yeah, like, um, and not only that, everyone in my family has now tested negative for antibodies except me. And I didn't, quar- like I said, I didn't self-quarantine because I had, I had no idea. Right. Um, I had like, the sort of auxiliary symptoms um but like i said you know i i the pe- the, the the group of people i was making an album with um they said i think we sort of passed it around the studio because we were in a studio together 10 hours a day plus for two weeks right right so <sighs> i don't know yeah <laughs> so i guess what i'm saying is entering this period I was really ill for about I was I was really sick for a couple of weeks I mean I was just mainly just exhausted and then I kind of had to come out of that into the fog of what quarantine life has meant and you know it's it it was a very slow recovery mentally I would say were you functioning creatively in the studio while you were ill so the timeline was like basically the last we we ended up doing the last mix um uh, vert, uh remotely of the last song and 
you know, it was one of those things where the record kind of spills out really quickly, but we worked three days on, on one song or something like that. So by the time New York City had, had shut down, we were not, uh, we were no longer, I was no longer going to the studio. And um, I think maybe that evening I was, I shouldn't, you know, I don't want to blow up anyone else's uh, spot or their story, but basically like it was pretty soon that we all realized that we had something. And I was sick about less than a week after, after that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, one of one of the uh, professors at school where I teach was he had it. Uh, mm -hmm. He's sure he had it. He didn't actually do the test. And I said to him, "Do you, how were you in uh, in terms of lecturing?" He said, "I don't remember anything I said for two weeks." <laughs> it know? really is. Yeah, I I noticed that there is like my you know my sense of time was super super strange. Um, like. But again, like you're you're going through an illness inside of this vacuum of support. So there's no regular like, oh, let me come and check on you. Let me bring you some food. Let me, you know, check, you know, call and see what's going on. And all, and again, like I wasn't like, I didn't know I had coronavirus until I sort of was like, oh, I think I have coronavirus. And then we all started to get tested and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I think if I'd had to work, I, I, I think there was a period of time where I felt better. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll, I'll uh, you know, clean out the front hallway of the house today. And it was like, it would take me two hours because it just was so exhausting to do anything. So I didn't feel, I didn't have any symptoms other than sort of this weird sense that my head was being, like my sinuses were being scraped clean, um, which was weird. That's really the, that was my biggest symptom. My, my sinuses were so, was so painful. Um, but again, I couldn't smell and I don't know, it, it was just really strange. And I, that little, that little sort of task would take hours because I would have to keep resting. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's a, it's a super strange illness with a lot of very freaky, uh, symptoms that are not, and they're not always, many people don't have the same symptoms. Yeah, and it's and I imagine losing your sense of smell and taste. You must think to yourself, "I would like to have those back. When are those going to come back?" I mean, did did that return? Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Um, it probably took about three weeks. I would say wow. it went away super quickly, though. That that's that's sort of when I knew. And of course, my first thought was like, I'm going to die alone in the Javits Center because at the time that was, was, you know, that really, it was terrifying. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't smell my children. Um, cause I went into their bedroom that I remember so clearly I went to their bedroom and I like just wanted to just be with them. They were sleeping and I, and I couldn't smell them. And that's sort of the, the thing I do, you know, you put your little, you put your nose into their, the back of their little neck and you inhale. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't you know and it, it really gave me a panic attack um and then the next day I was cooking an egg and I remember I was like god my sunny side egg is so awesome it's perfect it's like perfectly round in the middle the edges look a little crispy and my wife is like what's burning <laughs> it burnt I burnt yeah that's why my egg looks so good I burnt the underside because I couldn't smell does that change the way that you think about the public space for when it comes time to start playing live again or um does that does that sort of fill you with a kind of um 
a kind of different feeling about how you enter that public space? Much of this time, I have been far more worried that I will give it to someone than I have been about my own health. You know, decades of, of viral research does seem to imply that having antibodies against a virus will protect you for some time. So, um, but I can't, I, I, I don't know how to prove that I, look, I'm not, a, I am not a doctor, I'm a scientist. You know, this is all, I mean, none of us are, except the doctors and scientists. And even they are saying, well, you know, we think that we, like really when I got my test back, it said, this would this basically sort of kind of says that you're immune for some time but we don't know but really you should just not don't take any risk i would say this i would not take any risks with anyone's health and i think that behavior is influential so i would be behaving according to what is in you know the the, the public interest and and the and what is being recommended um for public health as far as the concern and the fear i'm gonna admit yeah it does reduce it mm -hmm. It does. Like, cool. I had it. I got over it. I feel better. And I'm not as afraid for myself. Somehow my family didn't get it. So what that means, I don't know. But um, I don't know. It's very interesting because the bands that I've interviewed that are smaller bands that play small nightclubs, um, they're very nervous about being in a mm -hmm. confined hot space and then doing a meet and greet afterwards you know, where you meet your yeah. fans and shake their hand and maybe hug them uh mm -hmm. they're they're feeling like that part may have changed at least for the time being sure but like okay i mean everything's changed for the time being like i'm not you know that that's that that won't be any different what you're not going to hug your the guy you know the person at the post office or right you know it's you know like i'm this is still this is still transactional let's be honest um, and, and I think that it will be possible to, uh, you know, much as, as we've all been practicing social distancing, you know, I, I see my friends regularly in the park with masks on six feet apart, and we just don't need to take risks. And um, so I think, I think much of the rules of life, whatever is the kind of, you know, what's happening in that moment will, will continue to apply. And look, I, I don't think that, you know, look, if you are taking mass transit, um, going to some sort of office situation, I mean, there's so many things that other people will be doing prior to entering a performance space. Um, but I, yeah, like now that I've really, now that I've thought about it, I, again, I'm not changing behavior, but I do feel a lot less frightened. Um, of getting it and what that would mean. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if you had not gone through that experience, I wonder if that would have shifted that, that perspective. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know. And, and plus the fact that I had it early on. So like by the time people were really describing, I mean, look, you know, it was very well established what it was when I had it. Mm -hmm. And many, many people were having it or had already had it. But I think that I, um, but also I live in New York. I mean, this is the epicenter in the United States. And so uh, I know a lot, you know, I know a lot of people, frankly, who are probably being even more cautious um, outside of the city and, and in other, many, many other parts of the country, just because, 
you know, a lot of New Yorkers just assume, well, if I have, if I don't have, if I haven't already had it, I'm going to get it. Right. Right. And I just, I hope that there's a hospital bed for me if I get really, really sick. And that's really been the aim of, of what they're trying to, you know, how they're trying to manage it here is not to eradicate it. It's simply to make sure that you can be, you know, people who need to be taken care of can be. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm here in the Bay area. I'm here in San Francisco and, um, we we did a really good job in terms of social distancing, but now yeah. it seems like everyone's sort of been scattered like pool balls where some people are wearing masks, some people have it hanging around their necks, some people are, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and we live in a very, it's a very liberal city and people are very plugged in, um, but I think everyone is sort of feeling like we're all on different pages now from county to county. Um, yep. So it's troubling in the sense that, you know, like a child might see uh, their friend's family doing one thing and their family's doing another thing. Oh, well, listen, you know, I mean, I, it, this went from, you know, and again, like recent events and, um, and movements have, have changed a lot of the narrative. You know, my, my daughter's gone from, okay, you know, we wear, we wear masks, we don't touch other people, to we're going to go to this giant protest at, with a ton of people around and they will be closer and she just goes but what about coronavirus and I'm like yeah 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 I mean <laughs> no like that's bad but this is this is also bad I mean it's, it's fucked up and right. I'm not a part you know I'm I'm doing my best as a parent to um now it's one thing for me to sit down with her and say a man with skin that's darker than yours skin like your friend x you know uh was killed by the police and that's why we're we're going to go do this and none of that makes any sense to her but if i go and take her to somewhere where she can see signs and hear chants and and see people coming together then she starts to ask me the questions which is engagement so i can then go okay so now we're going to open this up because otherwise she's like i don't want to talk about the the dead man you know, we've been talking about sickness and death for months now. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a lot to parent around or parent through or with. And, um, and I know that it's been very hard for her, but I know that she, I know she can handle it. Um, like I said, she's very sort of tuned into human beings. Um, and it's, good that you know that this educate this kind of education starts young i don't like this it's hard to watch your child literally like watch the innocence fade from their face mm. it's hard um but it was bound to happen so i'd rather be someone that is someone she can come to and, and talk to about than something that she hears and then comes you know like going wait i don't understand what that was yeah somebody pointed out they said i feel sorry for the children who will be learning history years from now and they have to cover the year 2020. <laughs> it's a hefty, it's been a hefty year. I mean, let's not, <laughs> look. <laughs> I made some joke about meeting up with someone in a hazmat suit, maybe <laughs> in like early March. It was, it was a joke, a personal private joke. And that all came to pass and a hell of a lot more. And we are not, we have just hit the halfway point of 2020. So don't jinx it. <laughs> really? 
I know. I, I'm with you. Um, my, even for me as a return, a planned fall return to the classroom, um, you know, I have an elderly father and I'm not, right. yeah. you know, and co college students, you, you and I were both college students. We're not, we're not the most um, responsible people when we, when we should be in terms of late hours and staying healthy. Um, yeah. And I'm, I have a little bit of trepidation about entering into the academic public space. I spoke to Tommy Emmanuel a few months ago, and he showed me a picture on his phone of his finger. This finger right here literally bent in a way I can't even explain to you. It was pure no. science. He had fallen. And <gasps> so he went to the doctor, and they popped it back in, and he played a show that night. And he showed me. So now his, his finger is it's fine. It's just the joint is much fatter and he was showing me oh. it, it, it takes some time but he's still playing and I was asking him about um his thinking about his hands as a guitar player and he was like yeah I'm finally starting to think about that I never thought about it before <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and what, what an amazing guy to be able to still play and and he said he felt some restriction and he still feels restriction but he is he's back and he's playing and he was only out for a couple of hours um but it was, it was a very terrifying photo. But it really, what we're talking about is like your health and also, um, you know, your living is dependent on you playing and being healthy. Um, yeah. Do you think about that in a different way now? And, and have you always been someone who's been protective of your hands or do you even think about it? I have. I had a couple of big time scares in my early 20s, um, falling and, I mean, like, you know, roller skating, biking, like, like, you know, not just, you know, I mean, I was, I was taking risks and I realized that what, what started to happen is because of the, like, I got doored by a car and went down on a hand. Ugh. I was roller skating in a roller rink and I actually am really good at roller skating. <laughs> and I was doing my like tricks and doing spinning around and going backwards and all that. And I fell and I heard, I heard the pop. It was like, boop. And so what started to happen was just that I got so cautious and careful in, when I was doing those activities that they weren't fun. And I thought, you know what? It sucks. I'm, I'm tiny. I'm low to the ground. I'm very muscular. I'm built for speed. I really am. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm really, I'm great at go parts. Um, <laughs> I could have been a jockey. I'm, I'm just saying like, it's, it's, that stuff is really attractive to me. Uh, so, but I have been, I've just, since then I've been very careful because I'd rather have fun. So, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, well then I'll go scuba diving. You know, I'll get my, I'll get my, my jollies out in a, you know, I could get, I guess I could get my hand bitten off by a shark, but then I'd have such a good story Yes. that it'd be worth it. Um, yeah. no, I mean, that, that, that doesn't scare me at all, but, but I, I have, it's, it's amazing. Cause I do have friends who are like, you know, incredible violinists who also ski, like, all winter, and, but they, you know, but then again, like, people who grew up doing a sport have a different relationship to it than something you're learning as an, as an adult, um, but yeah, but man, that's, that's a crazy story, I love, like, I really, I love Tommy, Tommy's playing, and his, his, like, you know, effervescence, and, um, but that, you know, that's kind of what, that may, that reads to me. That's like, yeah, you know, it popped back in and I went and played a gig. Hours later. It, there's something, um, there's something about that where you're like, oh yeah, now I got to worry about my hands. Okay. And 
you don't worry about it till you need to. But but good on him. Like that that's a that's a hero's tale. It is, and and the picture didn't look like it was. I would think like, well, that's never going to be normal again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it was, <laughs> that, it was that disturbing. And, I wonder if he's um, roller skating. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I think he had just he had just simply fallen and, and in some way he tripped or something like that. Yeah. And it was, it was, I mean, unbelievable. I, mean, I remember the story when I was a kid, I think I was in high school. I heard that Tom Petty got so angry. He punched a wall and he broke his hand and couldn't play guitar. And there was an interview where he said, yeah, I probably should have thought about that before I, <laughs> I punched the wall. That's my livelihood. Um, but these things happen. We're mortal people. I mean, for me, if I get sick and I lose my voice, I can't lecture. Like then I can't, I can't go to work. And so I always think about, um, I've become, I'm not germaphobic, but I've become very aware of people around me in that sense because I've lost my voice before and I literally can't do my job. Yeah, I mean, I know I was, uh, I did this, this show in the UK once um, and Susie Sue was, was on it. It was, um, Oh, it's a really famous show. Why am I forgetting? My, you know, my mind doesn't work after months of deprivation <laughs> of humanity. Um, whatever. It was, a, it was like a great, there's just a famous music variety show. And Susie Sue was on it. She was sort of the big, the big, the big number. And, you know, they were like, oh, and you're in London again, but you're American and you must be so excited. And, you know, the, the, all the places that she had lived. And she's like, yeah, well, the truth is I'm, I don't really go out because at you know the at the place she was in life she was afraid that she went, went while on tour um would get sick so and she was protecting her asset which is her voice right and interestingly i have many times that i used to lose my voice about once a year and i used to always think god thank goodness i'm not a singer because really because that would be truly devastating if this was something that was going to happen all the time that um i would have like a i I actually lost my voice earlier this year too i I always would get uh i'd get bronchitis um but the only good that comes of that is i can do a really good stevie nicks or really good marianne faithful like that's the only time of year (laughs) when i can finally singing in broken (laughs) english i mean I, i love that so i you know um but yeah you know it's interesting when you think about your health you know it's like god just touring takes it out of you no matter how cushy you can make it which i you know certainly not i do not make it cushy um and um yeah i think and i think just even the 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 energy of of being on stage and what you're putting out um does take you know it, it it really does take a lot of stamina uh physically and mentally and um so no and i to that end also i i think to now that i'm in my 40s and um you know i have i'm I'm in my 40s i have young children i'm still very active hopefully who knows i mean you know if i never tour again whatever but so assuming that life at some point you know we do want to do the things where we get together i do think that a commitment to my health uh, in the long term is something that I I now have to think about. Yeah, right. And I and I look at someone like Dylan who, you know, who tours relentlessly um, yeah. and has somehow remained, thank God, healthy and uh, vital um, at seventy nine. Um, 
is remarkable. He must he must be taking very good care of himself. I mean, yeah, or genetics, or combination, or luck, or who knows. I mean, like people who it it's wild what happens when um, something hits you that you just can't get over.
And it, and for you, in terms of like, I'm looking at all these wonderful instruments behind you. If oh you, yeah, <laughs> they're wonderful. I actually didn't mean to do that, but but it is kind of a glamour shot. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a beautiful shot. I just have a bookshelf that you're resting on. Anyway. <laughs> when you when you walk by those great instruments and you've not played, do you feel them sort of glowering at you, or do you? Oh yeah, no, oh totally. It's a huge thing, and in fact, like. You know, I uh, I often feel that it's in my best interest to just give them away and just start over, you know, like to keep a couple of things that I, that I always use. I mean, there's definitely guitars that I will uh, be selling or, or just casting off, um, honestly, to various places when, when this is over. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just a little bit of history, I created, I had this, I had this concept, and I still think it's interesting, and I'd still like to do it, which is probably why I'm hanging on to certain things, so, you know, I had become my own most hated genre of human, which is, like, a guitar collector, <laughs> no, no offense, but, um, to have priceless instruments that are so, not, I mean, priceless is, that's, you know, subjective, but, like, you know, instruments that played so beautifully and so well and I had them in cases and so I created a room in my home that was my studio and then I thought okay I'm going to create a guitar library which is you know really what I've done and a lot of things that I have are you know they're handmade one of a kind I have a lot of relationships with luthiers um or they're they're super rare or you know they're but but they all really play extremely well and they're really they're really personal to me um so i thought well maybe i could have this sort of space where people could come and and, and enjoy them mm. um and it really turned into i mean that there was really no way to kind of make that work fundamentally um for a lot of different reasons but what i did do is create a studio that it's basically a kind of very modest home studio with a very excellent guitar collection attached to it. And I've only met, I've only as of yet made one other person's record um, here. It was right before my son was born, you know, big surprise. And, uh, but I do hope that that, you know, that can pick up as well. But yeah, I definitely do get a lot of glaring looks from the guitars when they have not been played. Yeah. And it still makes me go, oh, I just need to get these into the hands of other people because this is, this is not right. And then I'll do a project, you know, like this last album I did. I mean, I had like, you know, 12 guitar cases stacked in the elevator going up and I thought, okay, you know, I, I actually, they do get loved and used and um, yeah. So but like I said, you know, now that, now that things, now that we're actually settling in for a summer, I'm going to be doing a lot more guitar playing. Yeah, you're, it seems to me that your creative discipline has probably always been very good. Um, if you don't play for a couple of days, or, or if that even happens, um, is, that, is that a weird space to occupy, or are you, you're okay with that? I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. Um, it's not because of... So, so really, like, and I'll, I'll just sort of reemphasize this. I have... I've really accepted that being a parent, I have to put their needs before mine for a certain number of years, you know, I mean, they're like my, my daughter, and especially during this time, and she really needs me. And like me specifically, like I'm her 
I'm the parent she wants right now. Um, and so I'm, I have to make as much space for that, which really what, what this, what this is, means is that I can't really sit on the couch with my kids hanging out and play guitar. They want me to engage with them. And when I am not, if I'm on my phone, if I'm doing, I mean, they will figure out a way, you know, to, to get the attention that they need. Right. But I don't think, again, you know, like I've played guitar for so long that it's not like that's troublesome in this like, oh, but I, but what about my needs? I mean, fuck my needs. Like I've, I've, I've got, I'm fine. And, um, and I think they will at some point understand that like, this is just how it's going to be. I'm going to be sitting on my own couch in my own living room that I share with you and I'm going to play guitar and you can't come up and bang on it or tell me to stop or tell me to play Moana or tell me to play Elsa. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do what I want, but right now I'm fine with doing what they want. So when I do play, I have to come down, like close the doors, make sure everyone's asleep. No one needs anything. And then I play it. It's a little bit less like I'm, I've never been that kind of player. I've never been like, all right, you know, nine 30, we're going to play now. But like I said, it's really, it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me less now than when, than when she was born. Cause I thought, Oh, life's over. I'm never going to play guitar. I'm never going to write a song. And that's, that's has born not to be true. I also imagine that if you were 22 uh, or 20, you know what I mean? Your early twenties with two children and you were not quite established and you're still trying to make your, make your name. Um, yeah. that would be a very, you would feel a, a real sort of, um, Oh yeah, that would be super tough. And the people who do focus on their art and their careers and still have young children, I mean, like superhero level, it's, un, it's unreal. And, um, you know, and it, because it is truly this, this balance of like, you know, what, like I, as, as a, you know, even, even in my job, the job aspect of it, the, the, the earner, earner, um, and the person that goes out and makes, you know, invests in my career, I still have to, I'm only thinking of them. Like, if I didn't have kids, I'd be on a totally different wavelength of like, well, I can, you know, maybe I want to do this crazy thing or try this weird experiment. And I'm still sort of probably more conservative, if anything. So I'm like, no, I need, I need, I need to, they, they're going to have to be educated, <laughs> paid for all of it. And um, so, you know, but, but then again, it's, but then again, it still gives me this drive, like, gotta keep it up. Gotta keep, you know, what's the new thing? What's the new plan? What's the new show? What, how are we going to keep this going as long as we can and balance it? And um, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting to me because I know that there are times where if I'm working on a new book and I go to the movies or I go see a band, uh, remember, remember these days, or if I'm watching a television show or if I'm hanging out with someone and my brain starts to go to that place of what will happen next for the characters, what, and I'll start playing with sentences. Um, does your brain ever go to music when you're not holding an instrument? Oh, yeah. Like, an, a very constant flow of of like both sort of like you know really kind of concrete melodies and combinations and also sort of like feelings it's sort of it's it's almost relentless um I think that the that's kind of like the thing 
it's like this, that just churns and churns and churns in my head. And then when I pick up a guitar, it's like it has somewhere to go. It like all drains into the fingers, into the instrument, and then it sort of circulates. Like it's a, like it's a cycle um, that's breathing. And without playing, it still is kind of, it's kind of pent up, which is why I think that I do pick up the guitar, even if it's for 30 seconds while someone's trying to put their shoes on. I'm like, oh, just, it just gets that release. But yeah, it's a pretty constant flow of like just about every sort of vibe. Um, and I think there's a lot of like a sort of personal soundtrack that goes on. Yeah, there was a guitar player here in the Bay Area named Jason Becker. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Mm -hmm. um, he was a metal guitar player and he got ALS when he was about 21. Um, and he was David Lee Roth's guitarist. He was one of these sort of oh. shredder guitar players, a real prodigy. Um, and he had, and he's still alive. And he's he's our well, let's see, he's my age, um, and I'm ten, about ten years older than you. And he um, can't move except for his eyes. And he's been com he composed an album literally in his head. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and it made me think about how powerful the musical mind and the creative mind really is. Yeah. You know, it's a remarkable thing. It's a very complex piece of classical music. Wow, David Becker? No, uh, Jason. Jason Becker. Jason, Jason Becker. Yeah, I'll have to listen to that. Um, that those those you know it's funny when you when you sort of mentioned earlier like how protect we're talking about protective of the body etc. You know one of my thoughts is always in like God forbid this is you know knock on a lot of wood here but um, like I think that sometimes I think if I did get a bad injury what would happen? And I don't, it's, it's not like a, it's not like the biggest fear I've ever had in my life. It's more like, okay, well that would create an opportunity. And not, not that I'm saying this, this, this guy who got ALS has got, been given an opportunity, right? but he's made the best of what he has, which sounds, you know, that's, that's true courage. And, uh, but it's, I don't know, there's something, there's always something like, you know, what would give me the, the drive again? I think that's kind of some, maybe it's, it's like sort of almost like that, not, uh, not any kind of death wish, but it's sort of like, if, if it all burnt to the ground, what would I build again? You know, like if I gave away everything, if I, if all these guitars were gone, I had one single string, you know, what could I do? And, and you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think that those limit, those are the limitations that lead to creativity. And sometimes you do have to manufacture them for yourself if they're not being handed to you. And that is like a weird thing for a lot of people to hear, I'm sure. Because, um, you know, the, you know, the, the place that I am in my life is very enviable, uh, you know, to a lot of people. And I really understand that. And, and I'm very grateful. But, you know, I think as, as, you know, part of being an artist is always being so hungry and always being so dissatisfied. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so that's what, you know, sometimes I'll create a very impossible tuning to just see where it goes. Yeah. Um, or just do something that's like, okay, you know, like, let me, I mean, and especially in recent years with all the sort of, you know, more like theater work that I've been doing, 
um, that's been a huge step in a very, very different direction, none of which has been fun or comfortable or, you know, me feeling like I'm sitting in the right space that I'm good at. It's been a lot of like, I suck at this. This is really hard. I'm scared. But it has led to things that I would never, ever, ever otherwise have done. And there is something to be said for um, getting uncomfortable, I guess. And it, it reminds me of that wonderful moment in the movie It Might Get Loud with Jack White and the Edge. Yeah. Page where Jack White was saying, so I have to do this part on the piano and then go to the guitar. And I know I have seven seconds to get from the piano back to the guitar. So I purposely put things in my place to make it harder, like in my <laughs> way, to make it harder for me to get back. Because then when I get there, it'll mean more. Well, and yeah, I mean, that, that, that makes total sense because there's nothing, you know, there's nothing worse than sitting, that getting to your place too early. I mean, I'm, I, like, from an audience perspective, it's like, but, like, we'll just play already. But the thrill is like, you know, I could barely make it and oh my god is it gonna happen and then he lands and plays a chord and you're like ah that's just, that's so great so there you know there is a sort of like you know I don't know that that's exactly the same thing um I think that's more of a kind of like theatricality but it does from you know put into the minds of people like there's like a tension and a release like oh Jesus is this gonna happen and oh it happened and that's so great and that really is what you know live a lot of live performance and a lot of theater is about, um, you know, creating those moments of holding your breath and then, oh, the big exhale and the satisfaction. Right. There are a lot of people who listen to the show are aspiring artists of many different kinds. And I love hearing you say that to be an artist is to be perpetually dissatisfied. Um, that is, it's not like gymnastics where you stick the landing and you put up your hands and, and you're done. Uh, you're never really done. The, the clock doesn't really stop. Um, did you, did it take you a while to get used to that idea or is that something you always knew? I think that I always, it was like intuition before it was knowledge, you know, like, there was a lot of, in the early days of my career, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of focus on the technique and the this and the sort of, you know, precision necessary. And I would basically do that. I would fucking stick the landing. And once I'd stuck the landing a, a few, a certain amount of times, this, the, that was no longer, it had brought no satisfaction, which is why I think athletes do they don't just do the same trick and then they're done. I mean, they, you know, they don't like, I mean, it's all about like, how can you up like, you know, okay. So you just made, you know, 53 throws in a row. Can you make 50, can you make 60? It's, it's just, it's constant. Like what, what things can be, you know, what records can be broken. But I think as an artist, it's a lot like we've done that. Like, I've done that. I did that. I don't want to do that again. I know how to do that. If I needed to like play that song perfectly, I'd practice it for a week and I'd just be out there playing it perfectly. And why would that be interesting to anybody? And why would that be interesting to me? So it's what, it's what happens when you stick the landing and then you can like take it into a totally different direction. You know, it's where sort of like the precision of practicing and, co and composing meets the wildness of, of improvisation and feeling the room and, and, you know, all of those things. So, I, you know, but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever 
been like, okay, well, like now that I've done, because you know, if I, if that, honestly, I, I peaked in my early twenties. I mean, that was, you know, I will probably never have the like attention or spotlight on me ever again that I did in those days when it was like, this girl can just do all these crazy things. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just copying that guy over there who copied that guy. It's the same shit. It's just not as well known. And, um, but no, I don't think I ever, you know, as, as someone that has been overly, uh, critiqued based on, you know, the style and the way that I play, I have been under critiqued by the media, but like really appreciated by my fans for what I write and writing that is, you know, that, that, that has nothing to do with technique and nothing to do with, you know, ability. It's all about intuition and heart and, um, you know, self-knowledge and knowledge of other people. And, um, you know, like this, the, the world of this, of the soul and the world of the, you know, the world really quite far away from how many hours did I practice today. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think that, that just always wanting something new is, is going to be my, like, it's like my fate. Yeah. And, th- and that's, and that to me is sort of like, I look at someone like Dylan who did Blood on the Tracks and then he said, okay, now what's my next album? McCartney wrote Blackbird and said, now I'm going to write another song. I mean, it's not, it, there's never a moment where, cause for me, if I could do any of those things, I would go, okay, I'm good. I'm done. I did it. Um, but an artist just. I don't think that's going. true. You know? I don't know. I mean, you just you just keep going, right? In other in other words, yeah, I know what you mean, and 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 it probably is it is safe to say that for me, I'm not a musician, so I, that just seems like moving a planet. Um, but like, I wrote a book, and then I, as soon as I was done, I started writing another one, and yeah. um, and all of them have been different. And so I get what you mean about that sort of creative evolution where you stick the landing, and that becomes almost foundational for the next thing that you can can do that will be so different. Yep. Yeah, and I think that, you know, across across the, the, the like, you know, like, like leaving art and music for a second, just across the sort of, inf- you know, the infinite talent pool that is humanity, like, that is what defines greatness. It's not like, okay, I just did it really good. It's like, I did it really my way. I did it, you know, I've, I figured this out. I, I was innovative. And you know, that, that is truly, you know, the, defi- the definition of our species is, it's certainly not like, all right, well, I like, you know, got like the perfect score and I copied everyone else and I can, you know, it, it's really like innovation and creativity. I mean, like across every single field that we occupy as people, that is why our, you know, it's probably le- leading to our you know, imminent demise, frankly, but it is what makes us different from the bunnies. Yeah. And you have always challenged yourself to not repeat, to sort of keep changing, keep evolving. Yeah. I mean, even when it's absolute crap, it's true. I think that, well, and you know, a lot of, there's a lot of really, really, really good guitar players out there who, who've released basically more or less the same album, you know, every few years. And and that's, that's okay. But I didn't really want to, I thought that that would, I knew that that would not satisfy me. Yeah. And there are, there are writers who write the same book and the fans keep buying them. 
Um, maybe I I love some of those authors, but I recognize it. <laughs> like I know what I'm, I know. That's what I'm saying. I know what I'm getting into. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that, and that's fine too. It almost feels like it's a template um, where they're making a living. They're sort of cranking out these kinds of. I I, I under I totally understand it, but the artists making themselves uncomfortable, creating attention. Um, keeps things creatively uh, probably very challenging and interesting. I certainly think so. I, I definitely, you know, it's funny. I remember having multiple conversations like, oh, you know, what bands do you like? What music you listen to? And I remember one time a good friend of mine, she said, well, you know, like someone told me, oh, I, I remember exactly what it was. We were at a show and I was like, oh, what's up? you know, how'd you know, how do you know about this, whatever group it was, it was so long ago, it was like, I was, I don't know, 20, 21, and she's like, oh yeah, well, they, someone told me they, they sound just like Spoon, and I love Spoon, so I figured I would love them, and I'm like, that, it does not make any sense to me, like, it makes, like, I love Spoon, why the hell, would, like, but Spoon is Spoon, why would I want to go see a band that sounds like Spoon, like, I want to, I want to hear the band that sounds like themselves, and um, I remember thinking, that is definitely a difference between you and I. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I thought, wow, maybe that's why I've never been able to, like, get into a scene. Because I would just go out and everyone sounded kind of the same. And I'd be like, well, there's only one of you that's doing this well <laughs> right. to begin with. So, but, but really, like, it's, again, it's my own my own shit, my own bias, my own sort of stubbornness, maybe, and, you know, unwillingness to be like, yeah, okay, no, they're halfway decent, I can have a good time. I'd be like, no, we must be different, we must challenge ourselves, and what, like, I sound like such an asshole, and maybe, maybe that's true, but to me, it was always, like, I need something new and tasty, and something to massage my brain in a way that hasn't, that hasn't before, um, yeah. Yeah, because it's like saying it's like saying to your friend, "Yeah, you're totally right." It was like being at a Spoon show, but the band wasn't Spoon. I mean, I guess that would be the the satisfying end kind of that. Kind of, I'm like, just just, but the fact that that was her like deciding factor, like they sound like a group that I already know and like. Therefore, I'm like, that is that's just not how my brain functions. Like, I need the thing that I've never heard. Right. Um, right. Even if it's really awful, it's gonna help me if it's just new. Was Neutral Milk Hotel on your radar at all growing up? Not when I was young, not when they were they and I was me. It was it was later that that sort of, you know, kind of became, that band in particular sort of made, like, made sense to me, um, or that I had a sort of foundational appreciation. Um, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't call myself a massive fan, but, you know, I now I'm like, oh, you know, that, that is identifiable as a, you know, a soundtrack to part of my life. Yeah, yeah, I came to them late too. Uh, I was interviewing with somebody and they told me they thought that Joan Baez is one of the most underrated guitar players. And I went back and listened to her. 100%. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen her play. And one of the things, I mean, I've seen her play live, I mean, like she's, you know, and, and, and again, you know, I had all kind of bias because I was like, wait a minute, but she just does other people's songs, but, oh, how she does them. My goodness. Um, one of, you know, Sean Colvin is a great example. Janice Ian, you know, like PJ Harvey. I mean, PJ Harvey's not underrated as a guitar player, but she's so good at all these other things that that doesn't, you know, it's not a focal point. I think there's a lot of there's so much 
insistence for that women op that, op that we open our mouths and we sing and that is how we you know earn our earn our keep that a talented uh, guitar a woman who's a, who is as talented as a guitarist um, can often be overlooked and the focal point is not that it can be any it's honestly a lot of times everything but that um, which I found always to be very frustrating. Yeah, that's inter That's really interesting to hear. And I'm I'm very curious to know. I know you have to go. I I'm curious to know how you create a safe creative space for your children. In other words, I was Anthony Bourdain was was doing an interview years ago, and he was talking about how someone was saying, "When you cook these great things, do, does your does your daughter eat them?" And he was saying, "She'll only eat them if I say you wouldn't like this." <laughs> <laughs> wants to eat them. Um, you have these wonderful instruments. You're, you're a marvelous musician. Do, how do you foster or encourage creativity without being, I guess, pushy, but you, I oh, don't. man, it is a, it's a super big struggle. You know, you have this like little time period until they're almost, almost four, maybe earlier when they just love you and your stuff and they, but they can all, but they can also be like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't want to do it. I don't want to like play a guitar right now, but they just sort of, you know, you, you have like, you have a little bit of time to kind of, you know, imprint and they're never going to remember that, but it's just these, you know, so the way I, the way I approach it with my kids is, and I know and my daughter is kind of, I mean, it, I have to want, you have to, you know, either convince her that it was her idea to begin with or just plant little seeds. And I just plant seeds. So for instance, you know, she was taking a ukulele class that they mainly wrote songs. Um, she can play Ode to Joy, you know, the opening um, on the piano. And, you know, we, we, we allow her to listen to her own horrifically terrible kids bop music on her own, you know, the iPad that she got from me because of distance learning. Um, <laughs> But I definitely, I don't shut anything down, you know, except unless it's not appropriate, obviously. And at nighttime, some, you know, when I put them down, like we we'll sometimes will play a little bit, some ukulele, some drum, just, just, but the chaos of children, is, it's insane. It's not like, oh, they're so cute and sweet. And I mean, they're like, you know, climbing on me or jumping on the bed or doing whatever. It's just sort of around. So my daughter will be six in whatever, September. And yesterday she came to me and she said, so I'm in a band with my friends and tomorrow, so they, they do, you know, she sees like other children at the park, um, even though it's, you know, in an era of social distancing, the, the kids, they find each other, right? So she's like, I, I have, I'm in a band and I need to be there at two o'clock tomorrow with my ukulele because I'm in a band. And I'm like, that's great you will be there at two o'clock with your ukulele. And if you forget, that's fine too. So it's, you know, there, it, it really is like just dropping little things and little hints and just finding those tiny windows of opportunity to just be like, oh, do you know what a trumpet sounds like? This, and just, just small stuff. And then they, you know, they come to it on their own. Do you... But I don't care. I mean, they can, you know, she can, she needs to be who she is. I don't worry about her not, I mean, like, her not doing what I did is not my concern. Right. You know, her not finding her own path and her own voice, that's my concern. So that's what it's about. 
In terms of for you and releasing new music, do you have you rethought how you want to do that? Like, a new, here's a new song. Here's a, has that changed, or will you go back to this more traditional way of doing it? Well, you know, that even exist? When you say traditional, <laughs> I don't even know what I mean. I have no idea what that you means. Any, I don't even know what. Yeah. Like, as an example, I was looking for something, and I have a box of merch that you know i have in my house it, it's really just like a couple of things that i've been keeping like holding on to from way back when and i was sort of combing to this pile of cds that i will never sell that i made in like i think i made those cds in like 2014. so sure it's been six years and i was i was an early like get these things away from me. I hate them. I don't like them. I don't want to sell them. People will be like, oh, well, do you sell CDs? I'm like, yeah, okay, well, no, I just don't. I'm here. Here's a USB. Let's try, let's try this. But um, I just, I, you know, so like we're talking about a, a, a we, the only, the only thing that mu music has going for it right at this moment is that we've had to be so fucking innovative for so many years already. Like we've had to figure out the strategy, the game changer, you know, what, how are we going to do this? How does this stay, you know, remotely profitable? How do we keep, how do we keep in the game? And now all the things we worked so hard for live shows, making touring profitable, you know, taking, getting down our overhead, all of it. Now that's been taken away, but people keep innovating, keep people keep figuring it out. Um, I have seen a lot of really bad online sh shows and I've seen some good ones and I've seen some, you know, advances in technology in the last two months where suddenly it's like, you know, wow, that, that's actually, that was kind of, kind of beautiful. And I felt like a, like a participant and not just a like, God, this is, what is this horror show? So, you know, musicians will continue to innovate and, and, and figure it out. Cause, cause in, in, in many ways, we, we've always been on the hard hit front lines of, of performance and art and losing money. And like, we're very good at losing money. <laughs> so we're like, okay, what's another, what's another year or two of being fucked? Like we've been fucked for so long. Um, that's my personal opinion. I'm not speaking for everyone, obviously. Um, but I do think that there, that people are going to be like, all right, well, if we can't do that, we'll do this. It'll just, you know, it'll move to another area and that will create more innovation, different types of models. Um, so, I, I mean, not that I welcome this, not that I would have wished this on any part of the universe at any time, but um, I do not fear for my industry and figure, you know, when it figures out, you know, what the next move is. Yeah, very cool. It's good to hear that. I am so appreciative that you took the time to chat with me. I know, 100%. I know. It was lovely to talk to you. I really enjoyed that conversation. That was great. Khaki King is, uh, is so cool. Her new album is remarkable. Modern Yesterdays, pick it up. And uh, my thanks to Khaki for appearing on the show. KhakiKing.com is where you need to go to find out what's going on in her life. Uh, is she touring again? Is there new music? All those things, all those big questions can be answered there. Uh, if you have questions about me, I doubt they'll be answered on AlexGreenOnline.com, uh, but maybe they will be. Uh, if they aren't sufficiently answered there, uh, you can email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Editor. You can follow me on Instagram, 
at Ember's Podcast. Uh, you can also visit Bombshell Radio at bombshellradio.com. All these things you can do, like you have nothing going on in your life. So I thought I'd give you a little list. Here's more. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, you know, maybe leave a rating. If you got some stars kicking around in your pocket, throw them our way. We'd love them. And uh, tell all your friends. That would be lovely. Thank you, as always, for listening to our program week in and week out. Let's close the show with a fuller listen to Khaki King's Default Shell from the album Modern Yesterdays. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio.